And let's just, as we begin today, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we just uh, come to you today. We thank you that we can be here in person. We also just pray for those who are still watching online, and we just pray for some of the situations there. We've got some people that are not feeling well and some that are having surgeries, and we just pray that your hand be upon them. And Lord, we, uh, we just lift up uh, those who are, are struggling right now, whether it be financial or relationships or whatever might be going on in their lives. But Lord, this morning we have come together to worship you, and I just pray that our worship is pleasing to you. And I just pray that your word speaks to us. And again, we just thank you for this wonderful, great opportunity to come and worship together. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have to say, it's, it's kind of exciting to see faces. So uh, I've been staring at that wall for 10 weeks. Uh, the only good thing is nobody makes short jokes. But anyway. Uh, uh. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about uh, seven blocks of ministry uh, or roadblocks to the highway of worship. And one of the most important passages or interesting passages maybe in the Bible is about worship. And if you have your Bibles, it's found in John chapter 4. And we see it's a familiar passage. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And she's a, a woman that has a very tainted past. Uh, her lifestyle is very questionable. Uh, she's had five husbands. The one she's now living with is not her husband. And, and uh, she's a Samaritan woman, which were kind of the outcast people during that time. And... When questioned about her past, as Jesus confronts her, she, in a sense, changes the subject. She wants to avoid the issues of what she's going through. And here's what she says to Jesus if you look at John chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. It says, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So her question is about the proper location of worship. Jesus changes it around and, says, and starts talking to her about the proper attitude of worship. He says those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So, really a clear fact this morning, and many times in worship services across the country, which there aren't as many as there used to be right now, a lot of times we look at worship being more about us than it is about God. Many times we focus on uh, what's the music going to be like today? Uh, what's the order of service? Uh, what's the, the volume of energy going to be? Uh, how long is the sermon going to be? Um, so when we come to worship with all these different expectations, sometimes we fail to worship. And so... Pure biblical worship is focusing on God and responding to God. That's what true worship is. It's focusing on God and responding to Him. Now, whether that's in church on Sunday, like we are today, or it's in your, in your everyday life, 
we need to be acknowledging how great God is. Who He is. How mighty He is. And when we do that, that is an act of worship. So when we focus our attention on the God of the universe, when we glorify Him, when we honor Him, when we magnify Him, it's an act of worship. Now it might be a shout. You know, we might say, yippee! We might say, praise God! Or it might be a moment of silence where you just realize that God is close. You know, maybe you get goosebumps. Uh, but I think in, in all of it, you know, we sing that hymn, How Great Thou Art, and how awesome God is. And worship is to God, and it's about God. And God is concerned about my relationship with Him, and He's also concerned about our response to Him. So the question sometimes that I have to ask myself is why don't I focus more on God and why don't I respond to Him more? Because it seems like some days I can, I can go through the day and overlook the blessings and the graciousness that God has bestowed on me. And in a sense, sometimes it's like God has just dropped off my radar. And then Sunday comes around and I'm like, okay, time to refocus which in some ways has been really interesting the last 10 weeks. Because I don't know what your routine was like the last 10 weeks on Sunday morning. But I'll tell you what, for me it was kind of weird. So I'd wake up and go, oh, I already did this sermon. I generally would come here and play music and sit in the new sanctuary. That was my, my Sunday morning routine. Um, but... It's exciting to know that we can acknowledge that God is alive and that He brings good things into our lives. So, we've got to be worshiping Him. So do you sometimes miss, miss worshiping God throughout the week? Maybe it's because we're not mindful of Him. Maybe it's because we've missed the blessings of worshiping. But in our daily lives, we need to be in worship for God. So this morning, see that's just my introduction. So I've had 10 weeks to come up with this. But, uh, <laughs> I've got seven things that I think uh, keep us from worshiping God the way He wants us to. In Isaiah 6, 3, it says, The whole earth is full of His glory, yet many times we very rarely think about God being outside these walls. So what are the roadblocks that's, that keep us from worshiping God? Well, the first one is we get boxed in by other people's expectations in our lives. And there's an interesting passage of Scripture that's found in 2 Samuel. And uh, it's Samuel 6.16. It says, Then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David that Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So the scene of that is, is we got the ark of the covenant is finally being brought back to Jerusalem. Everybody's excited. David's excited. The trumpets are sounding. The people are dancing before the Lord. It's an act of worship that the Ark of the Covenant is back. David maybe gets a little more excited than others, and he's dancing and dancing like crazy. But then his wife sees what's going on, and she's not happy. So when he gets home, she kind of scolds him for his behavior. She's angry with him 
She's not pleased. She thinks his behavior was uncalled for. And she says, others were watching you. Now, does that happen to us today? I mean, we all have certain expectations of how people should act when they worship. And when those expectations that we have get shattered, we become kind of uncomfortable. Maybe that's why private worship is appealing to us. We don't have to worry about anybody else watching us. But you know what David's response was to his, his wife when she said, others were watching you? He says, it was before the Lord that I worshipped. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. Because David knew that worship is about God. Worship is to God. So don't get too caught up in what other people are how they're watching. It's kind of like today. I mean, if you think about it. We all have different attitudes towards how we're supposed to act now in this new era. Do I dare sit in the front? Well, three out of four, not bad. Um, How close do I sit to somebody else? Do I shake hands? Do I elbow bump? Do I not say anything? But here, we're just here to worship God. Okay. The second thing is we get distracted by our frantic pace. And the passage is a very familiar one out of Luke 10, starting in verse 38. It says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now sometimes we get distracted in worship because we get distracted by the things going on in our lives. We don't set our minds on the things of God because we've stuffed our lives full of activities and obligations. We run through life like it's just this sprint that we got to keep going and keep running and never, and never take in the sweet aroma of the knowledge of God. We think we don't have time. We've got stuff to get done. And I think sometimes we live that way. We live this busy, busy, busy life because somehow we think that it's going to confirm to us our own status. We think in our minds that busyness somehow equals importance. So we let our time schedule get in the way of our relationship with God. Because it's really tough to be thinking about God's greatness and to worship Him when we're just rushing through life and we got all these things going on and on and on and we've got to be to the next place and to the next place. The psalmist said in Psalm 46.10, a very familiar passage, be still and know that I am God. It's hard to be still when you have somewhere else to be in 10 minutes. Oh wait, i got to hurry up. i got to go in a minute. But just kidding. 
It's kind of fun to hear reactions too, you know. I'm not used to that. The wall has never spoken back to me, so. But Jesus gives us the answer when he says to Martha, he says, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really only one. He says, Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. So to spend time in worship, to build a relationship with God, a God who loves you, He loves you completely, it's not something you just tack on to your to-do list at the end of the day. It's a necessity of life. It's necessary to have an abundant life. So maybe in these ten weeks that you've been sitting in your pajamas, you've been able to slow your pace down a little bit and focus more on God. The third thing is we get consumed by our own comforts. And if nothing else out of this sermon, you're going to realize we're going to read a lot of Scripture today. But we get consumed many times by our own comforts in, in Matthew 6. It says, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? Think about that. Some of you might be sitting here today wondering, what's for lunch? When is he going to get done preaching? I'm just about at the halfway point in my notes, just to give you a thought on that. Some of you have come into the church today, maybe you're wondering what other people are wearing. Are they going to really wear their pajamas to church? What are we supposed to do? But a lot of times our minds, rather than being focused to come here and worship God, we become distracted by food and fashion and all sorts of things that are going on. When we are worried about anything, it's incredibly hard to see God working in our lives. Maybe it's a friend who's sick. Maybe the bills outweigh the, the budget. Maybe there's a relationship that's in ruins and you're thinking, how can I worship in these times? But you know what? It's in those times is when we need God most. It's in the moments of desperation that we need to learn to lean on God's strong arm. And we need to realize how strong God really is. I mean, look at that passage. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And He says, aren't you much more than them? The God of creation created each one of us. He knows exactly what all of us are going through, so let's worship Him. The next roadblock is sometimes we become possessed by our own possessions. In the story of the rich young man, in Matthew 19, he says, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. 
And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Kids love toys. Grown-ups love their stuff. Someone has said the difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. But has our stuff ever gotten in our way of our relationship with, with, with God in worship? It was in the story of this rich, rich young man. Jesus was, Jesus was talking to this young man and his stuff was getting in the way. His stuff became more important than salvation. God is the source of all material blessings. We need to realize if we got stuff that's staying in between our relationship with God and worshiping Him, maybe we need to take a look at our stuff. Because we get wrapped up into our own possessions. Whatever it might be. It could be a new computer, new boat, new whatever, new clothes, whatever else. Whenever we're paying more attention to our possessions in God, we got a problem. Mark records the story of the rich young man a little different than the book of Matthew. Here's what he says in just one verse, Mark 10.21. He says, One thing you lack, he says, Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. In the book of Mark, he says, One thing you lack. He says, one thing that you're short of, the one thing that is keeping you from the kingdom of God, the one thing that is keeping you from salvation, the one thing that is keeping you from worship is that you are possessed by all your possessions. So let's do a little self-check to see where our possessions come in relation to God. The fifth thing is we get deceived many times by our own pride. Another story Jesus tells is in Luke 18. And it says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer. The Pharisee stood up and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax gatherer, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Pride in our lives can keep us from worshiping God. It might be religious pride, kind of like this Pharisee. But don't let pride get in the way of worship. I'm not going to go on. I think we know more about that. But the sixth thing, how many did I tell you we had? 17? What? Seven? Seven. <laughs> we get hardened by a hard heart. Proverbs 28.14 tells us, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. You know, sometimes we become angry with other people. You ever become angry at somebody in your life? Sometimes we can choose to be angry with God, and when we do, it affects our relationship with Him. 
It's hard to worship God if you have a hard heart towards God. The root of bitterness can grow into a person's life until it consumes them. But God has a cure for a hard heart. He wants His people to worship Him. If we go over to Ezekiel chapter 11, starting with verse 19, it says, And I shall give them one heart, and shall put a new spirit within them, and I shall take the heart of stone out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep my ordinances, and do them. Then they will be my people, and I shall be their God. God wants us to worship Him in spirit and truth. You can't do that if you have a hardened heart. So you've got to let God place a heart of flesh inside you. Seventhly, we get embarrassed by our sin. Now I've got part of a scripture up here, which is the Isaiah chapter 6, verses 5-7, through 7, but I want to set it up with the first four verses. It says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple, Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled, was filling with smoke. Think of that. God's presence in this temple. And then, Writes down, starting with verse 5, it says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. God knows better than any one of us, the extent of sin in our lives. But you know what? He still loves us. He wants us to draw near to Him. Scripture tells us that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But you know what? Sometimes when we sin, we tend to try to do damage control. And it goes back to the earliest part of the Scripture in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. They tried to hide themselves from God. Basically, they were embarrassed to be around Him. And a lot of times when we sin, the same thing happens to us. We try to hide from God. And this inevitably leads to other problems in our lives. So we try to make the the best of a bad situation. Because you see, you may have sinned. Now, it's probably not shocking to you, but, but we all sin. The exciting part is, Jesus is here ready to forgive. And He's ready to welcome us back into full fellowship. Now, I'm going to give you just a, a little bit of a secret here. God does not ignore your sin. In fact, He does just the opposite. Our sin bothered Him so much that He did something about it. He sent Jesus to die for our sin. That's what the death of Jesus was all about. You see, the wages of sin is death, but then God stepped into history to take care of it. 
We're all sinners deserving to die, but Christ died in our place. He took our sin upon Himself and He died for us. So God knows that we're a sinner. He knows that all of us are sinners. But He's died for us. And because of that fact, we can worship Him. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of our worship. So don't don't let some of the things that are going on, I, I mentioned seven of them. I could have done 17. Could have done 27. But don't let, don't let the roadblocks, whether it be pride or possessions or hardness of heart, keep you from worshiping the one who loves you so much. As Kersey Community Church, as a community of believers, that we're finally back together and we're excited about it. I want us to be known that this is a group of people that worship God in spirit and in truth. Because that's what it's all about. It's not about anything else. It's that song we sang. Coming back to the heart of worship. It's not about us. It's all about God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we are back together again. But we're all back together because of You. And Lord, we've come here this morning just to worship You, to praise You. And Lord, I just pray that whatever's going on in each one of our lives, that we can just give it to You. And Lord, if there's any sin in our lives, we just confess it to You now. And Lord, if there's someone here that has never given their heart to You, I just pray that they can accept that tremendous gift of salvation. But Lord, we thank You that You're here with us today, that You're with us always. But Lord, I just pray that our worship to You will be pleasing to You. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.